Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. And today, we will be breaking down the absolute train wreck that was the Auburn-Mississippi State game, and we'll be previewing the Auburn-South Carolina game and talking a little bit of basketball. Um, We'll just kind of jump right into it. I'm going to be honest. When Auburn was up 28-3 to against Mississippi State, I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I feel good. I felt good. Mississippi State was – we thought we were that they were down and out. I, I thought we were going to win. I was confident that Ole Miss would beat Texas A&M. I was like, you know what? We might win the West if we keep playing like this. And then it all went wrong. We blew the lead. We let Will Rogers throw for half a dozen touchdowns in a single game, literally making him look like Joe Montana. I know I use that one a lot. Uh, our starting quarterback breaks his ankle out for the season. Starting kicker tears his ACL out for the season. Um, yeah, I mean, and then then later that day, I, mean, I was watching the Ole Miss game, and I was like, "Wow, man! Like, we we could have been we could have been right in the driver's seat if we had not just let just the trains go falling off the tracks and down into the ravine and exploding." But Wheeler, what were your thoughts about the the game? I mean, what you know, going in, what'd you think? Or your thoughts in the first half? And what were your thoughts as you just slowly saw Will Rogers just father every single member of that Auburn University defense? Pain. Yep, I think that's a great way to describe it. The absolute pain. Uh, champagne without the sham. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was horrible. There's uh there's no two ways about it. It was demoralizing, defeating, depressing, and that's just for the fans. I can't imagine. I literally cannot imagine being a player on the team that puts as much time and work and effort into the workouts, the practices, the film watching that happen. It was one of the biggest train wrecks I've ever seen happen in the second half of a college football game. Not only the collapse on the field, but the, I mean, what are the odds that your starting quarterback and your starting kicker get hurt on back-to-back plays out for the season? 53% of Auburn scoring had a season-ending injury against Mississippi State. On back-to-back, I mean... I know that Bo technically hurt his ankle in the third quarter, but the play that knocked him out of the game was that two-point conversion, Mm -hmm. and Anders goes 
first of all, I don't want to call any players out because I, re- I really don't know what the play call was on that onside kick. I have to imagine, though, that the play call is everybody runs down and absolutely clears out a path. If you watch that play, I was watching it back today. There are two guys standing behind Anders, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? Meanwhile, Anders is just getting absolutely destroyed by, by the guy, and the guy's not even trying to hit him. The guy really is just trying to go for the ball and just, I mean, wrecks the poor, poor guy. I mean, uh, Anders got absolutely decleated. He did, and, and DACL. Um, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. It was so bad. Uh, it's just gotten worse. There's now the Demetrius Davis rumors, not rumors. You have the Plainsman writing just poor articles. But honestly, what's new? Their sports department is just garbage. I mean, it's really, it's really depressing how bad they are. Um, they're worse than the defense in the second half uh, <laughs> against Mississippi State. And that's saying something. Um, yeah, I mean, it was bad. Uh, I don't even know. I, I really question why it – and maybe, again, it's like the onside kick. I'm not in the meetings every day. I don't know. From a bird's eye view, it didn't look like many adjustments were made on defense. It looked like they ran the same thing over and over and the set it looked like they were just running zone coverage dropping eight and just waiting for mississippi state to find the soft spots in the defense um you can't run a three-man front against mississippi state if you can't get a pass rush and auburn could not get a pass rush oh yeah that's the other thing we forgot the one time we did get a pass rush we got a targeting terrible terrible the way that targeting has been interpreted i understand I do now that if you're going by the rules of these are the indications that technically he did launch at the head, but targeting has gotten so lost from where it was supposed to start that that, you don't need to look for indications on a play like that where the guy's jumping up because he thinks he's throwing a pass. He doesn't throw the pass and he hits him. Like He was not maliciously trying to knock Will Rogers' head into next week. And that's what targeting's there to protect. So, hate the way that targeting's gone. Um, but yeah, it was just it was it was bad. The offensive line couldn't run block. The defense, there was no positivity on the defense in the second half. Did they even stop them on a single play? I mean, I know if, that's if a it, joke, if but it also, was, like, I don't remember if it was, many plays it was where it was like insignificant. First and nine. I mean, it was like. First and four, first down. First and three, first down. Um, yeah, I was sitting there at the game. I saw everybody left. I said, this game's not over. I had the worst Mississippi State fan in the entire world sitting behind me saying, run the touchdown play before every single Mississippi State snap. I want you to imagine listening to some person yell, run the touchdown play before every single snap. That was honestly worse than the game. Um, But, yeah, Texas A&M lost. Auburn would be in the driver's seat, and they're not. Um, 
things are not looking good for old uh, Harson. I still think he's a good coach. I'm just saying. I'm not. Noble's looking at me like I'm the one trying to blame this on Harson. I'm not. I like Harson, but it just seems like the program is wobbling right now. That that's a loss that'll make your program wobble. And I hope that they're able to get it back on track this weekend. Because if they don't, the wheels are straight going to fall off. I agree that this loss was absolutely horrible. And I hope that one day we look back on this and we're like, it was an anomaly. It was just horrible. it, It is very rare to see a defense that was, it was playing so well and it just didn't adjust anything. Or I'll, I'll take that back. When when it started getting really bad, when it started getting really bad and everybody was like, we need to adjust, Derek Mason did start bringing blitzes, but the issue was he was blitzing corners and safeties. And I remember one play, it was when we downed, when, we, when Oscar Chapman had a great punt, honestly, just real quick, Oscar Chapman has had a really good season. Just want to throw that out there. Down to punt at the two-yard line. And the first play we do, I remember we had a Ladarius Tennyson blitz. He literally lines up as a defensive end. And I was like, I remember looking at it, and I said, there is no way he blitzes on this play. He blitzed. He tried to run around, and I kid you not, the right tackle pushed him into the ground like he was a kindergartner. I mean, he threw him into the ground. And it was horrible. And I was like, well, what do you expect? Like, you have a guy that is about 180 pounds who is trying to blitz against a right tackle who is about 320 pounds. Like, I just – I didn't understand how – the the adjustment was there. And, yeah, that can work sometimes. But when that is your only – the only people you're blitzing are corners and safeties, it's not going to work. It's just not. And the fact that that was the only adjustment that I could see from the Derrick Mason defense, and he never never went to a four-down line set. He never never did anything that was like, okay, this is a, this is a change that makes a little bit of sense. I, I, I was dumbfounded. I truly was. I mean, especially because it's not like it, – it's not like he's Ellis Johnson, you know? Like – He's, he's a great defensive mind. He has coached great defenses. And last week, he had, his defense played a near-perfect game. And then this week, they crumble and they allow Will Rogers, who is – I mean, he's not bad. I, like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to trash the guy. Like, he's not a bad quarterback. But is he the kind of quarterback that should be throwing against 400 – that should be throwing for 415 yards and six touchdowns? That is an insane stat line. Six touchdowns, it is not easy to throw six touchdowns. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Like, I mean, it was just the defense got absolutely eviscerated in every sense of the word. And I was just, I was just completely dumbfounded in that whole, that whole thing. But I guess you can look for some, some positives of the game. You saw a little bit of the emergence of Javaris Johnson. That was the Javaris Johnson we thought we were going to see. You know, that, that was what they talked about all spring and all fall camp, that he was going to be a baller, and he has done absolutely nothing besides that game, which was – it was nice to see, you know, maybe an, another weapon 
Uh, Kobe Hudson had a really good game, eight receptions, 107 yards and a touchdown, had a really nice touchdown catch. Um, obviously, he got he got kind of killed on that one play, and he's questionable for this Saturday. Um, so, if Kobe did he Hudson come back come, in the game, though, did he? I don't know if he I did. Think I he, know, did. He, he may have. I I know that they they asked Harson about it in the press conference today, and he did not. I mean, he said it wasn't season ending, but he did not really give any information about his status for South Carolina. Hmm. So. Just kind of not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but that will not be ideal for TJ Finley when you're missing your team's leading receiver uh, as he comes into the game. But we either just kind of, you you know, you kind of touched on it. And honestly, I'm, I think we're both in the same boat. We don't really want to talk about this game any more than we have to. But was there were there any positives from the offense that you saw that you thought were kind of turning points or do you think that the the receivers really good game do you think that was kind of an anomaly um obviously Bo Nix had arguably arguably his best game as an Auburn quarterback I mean three for 377 yards and two touchdowns and would have broken 400 if he had played that last drive I think uh let a touchdown drive with a broken ankle hats off to him but just were there anything that you saw where you were like, well, that's good moving forward. Or do you think it was all just kind of, just kind of a lucky break and that we played well that game or that's what you think? Well, why don't you, why don't you take it away and give us your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the receivers have shown they're inconsistent. So, I mean, just like you can't get too down when they have their game, that they don't catch a single thing. You can't get excited that they're good when they've mm-hmm. made catches. Um, they're not good. That's just the reality of the situation, and it doesn't matter what you see on the field. They're not good Um, because if they're good one week, they may be good the next week, and then the next week they will not be. I mean, there haven't been – there hasn't been a three-game stretch where the receivers look somewhat consistent anywhere in the season. Uh, so maybe they'll have their bad week against South Carolina. But honestly, what I think is going to happen, I think South Carolina is one of the most garbage football programs in SEC history. They are getting a team that's going to be really ticked off. Uh, TJ Finley is going to have a good game because they're just that miserable. Auburn fans who are all depressed this week are going to say, I told you so. TJ's amazing. The Iron Bowl is going to happen, and then we get blanked. That's right. That's my prediction. I don't think Auburn scores. Actually, no. Bobo's good at scripting plays. We don't score more than seven points in the Iron Bowl. Our kicking game is a mess. Okay? Our kicking game was a mess when we had an elite kicker. This kicker that uh, whoever's kicking this weekend? Ben Patton. Potentially. Carson wasn't ready to name a starter yet. Um, you got problems there. So, first of all, you're either going to have your backup holder holding for the, the game so that it's a guy that's used to holding for a lefty, or you've got a holder who's been practicing since fall camp uh, holding with for a right-handed kicker, holding left-handed. I don't care who you are. I know people say holding's not hard. It's going to slow your operation a little bit. The line for the kicking has been bad. You know what differentiates people from being really good kickers and being walk-ons with 
no really other prospects, <clears throat> is their ability to get the ball in the air. Uh, I don't think we'll do anything but kick an extra point or maybe a short field goal. Um, this is not like years past where, like, if Daniel had gotten hurt, you have your future kicker on the roster as your backup. I mean, this guy's not that good. Um, that's just the the reality of the situation. It's going to be hard to hard to kick with him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all is lost. So honestly. would would you would you think would you be surprised if Auburn broke out a little bit of just kind of took some pages out of the Lane Kiffin playbook and just went for it on fourth down a lot? Like if you if we have we have a fourth and five from like the thirty yard line. Do you think we're going for it, or do you think we're kicking it? I think you're going. Because the 30-yard line is going to be a 47-yard kick, and there is zero shot. And I mean zero shot. that There is a high likelihood that the guy makes it. Because if you're making 47-yard kicks in games, you're not the walk-on backup kicker at Auburn. I mean, that's just how it works. Like, If you make that consistently, you're probably going to go somewhere where you can start. Yeah, you're going to start somewhere. If you're making that, I mean, that's a high-level kicker. Yeah. I don't think this guy – I mean, I don't know. I hadn't seen him kick in person. Uh, He's not rated on Coles. He's not rated on any website, which means when he went to kicking camps, he wasn't one of the 200 best people there. Okay, as someone that went to kicking camps, if you're not one of the best 200 people there, you're not an elite kicker. Like – you can still be good. I mean, he, he's going to make extra points. Like, he's a competent kicker. I mean, he was good in high school. He was fine in high school. It's so much different. He's not good, I don't think. Now, watch him now go knock a 50-yarder through the uprights, and everybody's going to say, Wheeler, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, if he starts hitting 50-yarders through the uprights, I'm going to get the names of every person on Auburn football's roster and have Wheeler have a three-minute spiel where he can just tell us that they're bad because then we'll win the Iron Bowl. So, Yeah, so I definitely would expect to see the Lane Kiffin. I'm thinking his range is going to be 30 yards. I'm not saying he can't kick the ball through the uprights from further than 30 yards. So don't don't everybody comment, no, I saw him warming up for the game and he hit one from, from 50. It's a lot different when you got the line coming. I mean, because you got to get the ball up quicker than that. Um, I'm sure he can. I'm sure, I'm sure he has some highlight tape out there where he hits a 50-yard field goal and he flexes on the camera, as kickers tend to do. Heck, I hope he's good. I'm always rooting for whoever Auburn has on the field. But I'm just saying, you got to definitely adjust your game plan uh, with this being the kicker. I agree. I think that we will definitely see a more aggressive style of offense. And I think – and I do think this will kind of transition into, into the next topic. Do you think – so, obviously, Bo Nix is done. It's going to be T.J. Finley. That's been announced. T.J. Finley is going to start. Um, do you think that that could take a little bit of pressure off of T.J. Finley if when he is on South Carolina's side of the field, he knows he has four downs to get ten yards? It might. Um, I'm just concerned they're just going to blitz the fire out of TJ. I think the running backs are going to have a big game because they're going to get thrown to a lot. Because if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm watching TJ, I'm going to blitz. 
because yeah. he doesn't look amazing against the Blitz. See, I, I my my thing is, if you look at TJ Finley, the re- this is the reason that we brought him in. I mean, for this moment right here, this is the moment we brought him in is for if Bo ever got hurt, we needed a backup. Right now, listed on the depth chart, Grant Loy is listed as the backup quarterback. There is no guarantee as of right now that Demetrius Davis will join the, pra- will join the travel team. We don't know if he will be in Columbia for that game. So before you start saying, oh, we should start Demetrius Davis, we don't know if he's even going to be there, okay? The reason that we brought in TJ Finley is so that we could have a confident backup. And we mentioned this the day he signed, or when we were, you know, before his commitment or right after he committed, we talked about this, for the Auburn-South Carolina game. Or at the time, we said the Auburn-Mississippi State game as well. But we said for games like Auburn-South Carolina, TJ Finley can start and we can win and we can win fairly convincingly. And I still believe that. I still believe – the, the spread right now is Auburn by seven and a half. I think we cover handedly. I think that we win this game by two to three touchdowns. I do. I don't think South Carolina is very good. I think that if we have a whole week to game plan, TJ Finley being the starting quarterback, I think that we will be able to move the ball against a team like South Carolina. I do. I, I, I believe that. I think that we will have a lot of quick things. I don't think we'll really be slinging it out. But I, I think that we will be able to move the ball. Alabama, that's a completely different story. I don't think TJ will really light them up. I think that he will have a respectable stat line against South Carolina. I do. I do agree. And South Carolina isn't going to know what offense Auburn's going to run. Exactly. Which is going to be challenging for them. Um, so they ought to have a good first half. Um, and hopefully they can put up enough points and the offensive line can get enough of a push. If the offensive line can get a push in the running game, I think it's going to be a great day for TJ because they aren't going to be able to just bring the house. He'll be able to sit back there, and that's when he's at his best mm-hmm. is when he's not under duress um, and he's able to set his feet and make a pass. The problem is, in the games that I saw from TJ, I only watched when LSU was playing good teams, and he didn't have time. Now, granted, he had his best game ever against South Carolina. When he transferred to Auburn, the, the game that everybody pointed to is, oh, look, TJ's good, was his South Carolina performance. So he might have a good game. I think the thing I'm so depressed about is all year you're looking at the Iron Bowl thinking Auburn's got a shot. Mm-hmm. And now that you're here, there is no shot. No. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think that we kind of thought that it would be – I think that this that kind of ever since we really saw them, ever since we really started watching Alabama, we kind of knew what both teams were. We were like, oh, like this could be 2019, you know, where the teams are not super like the, the talent differential, how they're playing. I shouldn't say talent differential because the talent differential is pretty, pretty wide, but how they're playing, the differential is not huge. Now I feel like it's going to be much more like 2015. Like, I don't think we'll get blown out. But I would be – I don't – I do not see many scenarios where we could win that game. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, LSU – I think LSU held them to 20. I mean, if we could hold them to 20 and maybe have a really good first drive that gets a touchdown and then something, something weird happens and they blow a coverage and you just throw a bomb and score and then maybe you can get a, a turnover or something, I don't know. I mean, obviously – 
in college football, there's always a chance to win. This Alabama team is much more susceptible to an upset than any Alabama team we have seen in the past um, in a long time. So I mean, I'm not going to totally rule out the chance of an upset, but uh, if I was putting money on it, there is no way I would put any sort of money on Auburn winning that game. But I do think that we will beat South Carolina. I think that'll be a good game. I'm excited to see what TJ has to offer. I think that he's he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He thinks that, you know, he came here with the intention to start. Um, did you listen to his uh, – did you, like, see his post-game – or his uh, press conference this week and all that? No, I haven't had to. Or had uh, I mean, I, I saw it. I mean, it, it came out uh, a couple hours ago. But, I mean, I, I thought it was good. I mean, I, I liked the liked the mentality he had. I liked the way that uh, guys were talking about him. Uh, I think it was interesting. I think Tank Bigsby, he said something about him. And he said that when TJ entered the transfer portal, he called TJ. And he, he pretty much said, he said, look, Bo's our guy. And Bo's going to be our starter. But when he's gone, I want it, like I want you to be the guy. And so that was kind of a thing where it was like everybody on the offense knew the reason we brought in TJ was not to start. The reason we brought in TJ was to be the backup. TJ, you know, they've all – everybody's praised him for being being ready, being prepared for every game. And we'll see how much that's going to pay off, how well he knows the offense. And he'll be able to prepare as the starter. I'm excited to see what the guy can do. Um, and he is, he is a good backup quarterback. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. He's good. That is a good role for him. Like, he is one of the higher level backup quarterbacks I think Auburn has had in a while. Yeah. He's probably the only one we've had in a while that gave us a chance to win football games. I agree. I mean, and yeah. And the yeah. people are, people are going to say Malik Willis. Malik Willis at Auburn and Malik Willis at Liberty were com- two completely different players. And I personally don't think Malik Willis at Liberty is even that good. Personal. They scored 12 against Ole Miss. So. And he threw three interceptions. But yeah. regardless, TJ Finley is a guy that is – he is not a bad quarterback. And we've – you know, I, I feel we, we've, we've, we've talked about TJ Finley a lot this season, and it's always been pointing out his flaws because of the fact that his flaws outweighed Bo's flaws significantly. And, yes, like – there's no reason why I thought TJ Finley should start over Bo Nix in a game this season. But if you look at our quarterbacks now, it's the same thing I said last week when I said, look, say what you want about Bo Nix. He gives us the best chance to go 3-0 in our next few games. Say what you want about TJ Finley. He gives us the best chance to win the rest of our games. By far. Like, if we – like, to, to the point that with what I would see, I think that if TJ Finley goes down – I don't know if we play Grant Lloyd or Demetrius Davis. It would not surprise me at that point to do what Kentucky did a couple of years ago and just get a wide receiver, get Kobe Hudson and put him at quarterback and yeah. just run the ball 50 times a game. It would not surprise me. Like, Grant Lloyd was not very good at Bowling Green. I remember that was just kind of a head-scratcher when we brought him in. Uh, obviously, you look at the spring, the coaches didn't think we had a backup quarterback on the roster, and that's why they went out and got T.J. Finley. So, it's kind of – if TJ – if something happens to TJ and he goes down, like, we don't really know – we don't really know what would happen in the QB situation. So, we got to hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, but, we do. We do have a shot against Alabama. They're really not – they're not the Alabama of old. With TJ, we do have a shot. TJ like Finley said, is not the worst quarterback in the SEC. 
Yeah, if you look at him starting, no. like he is better. He is better than South Carolina's quarterback. He's better than Vanderbilt's quarterback. He is not like, and I, he, I think Max. He Johnson's arguably might have been him. better than Max Johnson. I mean, yeah. they were duking I, I, it out. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the thing. It was like they. There was a debate. T, at one point, T.J. Finley started four games before they started Mac Johnson. So Max Johnson. So it's like he is not the worst quarterback in the SEC. And I think that is nice that we have a backup quarterback. That the second he comes in, you're not like, okay, this guy is the worst quarterback in the conference by far. Like, no, like he's not one of the best ones by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not the worst. And we hope that he plays well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. We are huge TJ Finley fans this Saturday. I'm going to, and I'm going to, and we're going to look at like, you're going to look at him. You're going to give him the benefit of the doubt on some throws. And that's the th- like, you, you can't be, I mean, obviously, you know, you can, you can analyze how he's playing, but the thing is like, he's the quarterback, he's got our support. And that's that. I mean, we hope he finds great success. I mean, the thing, if T.J. Finley throws for 400 yards these next three games and we win the Iron Bowl, I'm going to be a huge T.J. Finley fan. I'll get a T.J. Finley jersey, and I will wear it, and I will be proud and hope that T.J. Finley is the guy. I will be on cloud nine if T.J. Finley wins the Iron Bowl. Will it happen? I don't think so. But I would love to be, I would love to be surprised. I'd love to be proven wrong about that. Me too. So, with that being said – that's kind of our little bit of our football breakdown. Um, really quick, uh, I think I looked at a uh, looked at a mock draft today, and obviously you don't see too many Auburn Tiger names on those mock drafts after this season. But uh, Roger McCreary was he has had multiple first round grades this season with differing teams, and I saw a mock draft today that had him going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I thought that would be really cool if there were three former Auburn corners that were all on the same team that won a Super Bowl last season. So I thought that was kind of something I would, I would share. I thought that was interesting. That would be really interesting actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that was just a quick little, quick little thing. Um, and now where do you see Auburn going and playing in a bowl game this year? Oh, um, uh, I would feel First of all, I, I don't hate our chances in a bowl game because I think that we are better than what our record indicates. And I, obviously, if Bo Nix was playing, I would feel a lot more confident. Uh, we'll see kind of what the team is like with TJ Finley. But I'm thinking, like, I, I feel like this could be a kind of a Music City Bowl type thing, you know, type year. I don't, I don't think it's a Birmingham Bowl year, personally. What about you? I think Gator Bowl or Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl mm-hmm. against an ACC team. And so, looking at looking at some of the ACC teams, that if you look at the ones that are, uh, if you look at the ones that are not, I mean, Auburn in all likelihood we will win six games. I feel like that is a, I feel like that's a fair, fair assessment. You know, that we will win seven games and make make the bowl so you look at the acc and the teams right now you've got virginia that's kind of in the same range as us you've got nc state louisville kind of in the same range miami virginia tech north carolina north carolina is not a team i would want to play but all the other teams 
I'd be okay with playing in a bowl, and I'd like our chances in a bowl. So I, I think that you kind of look at that and you're like, you know, well, and honestly, I mean, if the train falls off with Clemson, we could theoretically play them in a bowl. So I don't know. I, I think that if you look at a potential matchup against an ACC team, I think that Auburn's chances are fairly good, I would say, fairly good. I agree. I would, I'd be happy with an ACC matchup. Well, we haven't played. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've played an ACC team in a bowl since the 2011 Chick-fil-A Bowl against Virginia. Uh, the national championship, we played an ACC team in well, 13. Yeah, that's not really a bowl game. I don't – I mean, uh, I consider um, a bowl game as, you know, the, the typical you go somewhere, it's all kind of a have fun kind of thing, and if you lose, it's like, well, it sucks that we lost, but no one really cares. Yeah. No, that would be the last ACC team that I think we played. All right. So, I mean, I think that'd be, I mean, a little bit of diversity in the conferences. We've played a ton of Big Ten teams in bowl games. Uh, the last time we played a Big 12 team in a bowl, we got absolutely smacked around. Uh, and we played, I mean, we we had a little stint where we played the Pac-12 champion multiple years. So, we've. I feel like we've gotten a taste of a lot of different conferences besides the ACC. So I feel like, you know, we've, I think we've played the team from the American twice in that, in that span. So I think that the ACC would be a, a fun little change of pace that would kind of, you know, just be a different, you know, different team, not seeing the same, the same conference on a, on a bowl game, but. Do you think there's any smoke to the rumors that Brian Horson might be interested in the Washington job? I've I've actually I've been talking to a uh, I've been talking to to someone about this extensively in in my DMs and I I really don't think I really don't think so I I think that Brian Arson with the the type of personality that he has I think that he would not leave I don't think he would leave a school one year after he was there because I feel like he would I feel like he wants to finish what he started here. Uh, I do acknowledge that him and Chris Peterson are really close and that Peterson will probably consider him highly for that Washington job. But I, and this, this one of my main points in this discussion was obviously Washington would have to offer the same, the same salary to Harson to come to Washington. But my biggest argument was if Brian Harson goes to Washington and he's successful, his success will always be a little tainted with the fact that you're like, well, he couldn't do it in the SEC. And people would be like, how good of a coach is he really? Because, yeah, he's good in the Pac-12 when there aren't many good teams and you have to show up to, you know, two, maybe three games a season. But in the SEC, he crumbled and he went seven and six. So I feel like that would kind of be a little bit of a stigma that could follow him around there. Um, And I feel like that's not exactly an attractive thing I, I personally think – I think he'll stay at Auburn. I don't think he would leave unless he's fired. Um, but what what are your thoughts about that situation? Yeah, no, I don't think Washington has the funds to pay his buyout and pay his salary. Um, and I agree. I just don't see him leaving a job one year after he, after he starts it. Um, we'd be in hot water if he left. Yeah, competing well, against LSU and USC for coaches. I agree, and so just kind of talking a little bit more on the the coaching, the coaching thing. You know, Mel Tucker from Michigan State uh, is working on a historic ten year, ninety five million dollar contract extension. That's kind of news. A lot of people were thinking that LSU was going to look to him. 
Um, and I saw a rumor, I saw a rumor on one of the LSU boards that Lincoln Riley, that apparently LSU offered Lincoln Riley an eight year, $96 million deal, which is some, I mean, that's some, that's some heavy that's some money. cash. That's some cash. Uh, I think Florida, Florida's another guy or Florida's another team that's reportedly been looking at trying to get Lincoln Riley uh, to leave Oklahoma. I, I personally don't think, I personally don't think Lincoln Riley will leave Oklahoma, but if he did, how terrified would you be seeing Lincoln Riley coaching at LSU? Honestly, not that terrified. Really? Here's the reason why. At Oklahoma, he's got his pick of the litter. Easy school to recruit to. Has been for years. And he hasn't done much. He has has Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. He hasn't won, though. Like, every time he gets to the playoffs, he gets absolutely run. He almost got beat by Kansas this year. He's the lowest-ranked undefeated until this weekend. I'm just not that scared of Lincoln Riley. I think there's a lot of buzz around him. I think it's similar to the Lane Kiffin situation where there's a lot of buzz. He's a hot name, but he doesn't win much. But, see, if you compare it, he's a hot name that wins his conference more years than not, has Heisman quarterbacks, and makes the playoff. Like, regardless if you – I mean, like he's had some teams that have had some really good showings in the playoffs and some teams that have had really poor showings, but, like – Bottom line is, if you make the playoffs, like, that's really impressive. Like, if you have a – like, I don't care how bad you lose. If you make the playoffs fairly consistently like he has, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. Even even though he's technically – you know, I mean, he's never won a national championship per se. But, I mean, you look at Lane Kiffin, he really hasn't won anything. Like, I mean, even at, even at Florida Atlantic – did he even make a New Year six when he was there? I mean, no. you look at him and you could be like, okay, well, yeah, he's flashy. He he has guys that are in the buzz for the Heisman, but it's like they never win it. He never wins. His, like he never wins. Whereas Lincoln Riley, it's like, okay, well, your players win awards. You put a bunch of guys in the first round of the NFL draft. You win your conference. You make the playoff. Yeah, you don't win natties, but I mean, not many schools do win natties. So. I, I think that Lincoln Riley's a really good coach. I would get a little worried about LSU if he was there. Um, but also I feel like I feel like one of the biggest recruit or one of the biggest recruiting pitches that these schools have to Lincoln Riley is going to be obsolete in a couple of years. And that would be coaching in the SEC. Because obviously Oklahoma will be in the SEC in a couple of years. So I just feel like that's kind of a it's kind of an interesting situation, but if Lincoln Riley was the coach at LSU, I would be I'd be pretty worried. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. It doesn't sound like it's gonna happen though. No, I would I would be surprised if it happened, but it's interesting to see. And obviously it's interesting to follow the the coaching searches of LSU and the subsequent coaching search of Florida, because I think everybody knows Dan Mullen is on his way out after, you know, his horrible season and having a dog fight with Sanford at home. But that kind of ends the, the football discussion. We can shift a little bit more to the better athletic side of Auburn University and looking at the basketball program. Um, obviously had a good win since we've last talked, had a good win against ULM. Slow start, but ended up winning, ended up covering the hefty spread. Weather, what were your thoughts about that game? Who were the, the standout performers? And kind of what are you expecting going into this week? Uh, with Auburn's matchup against USF on Friday down in Tampa and then the subsequent 
uh, battle for Atlantis tournament against UConn. Yeah, um, I thought that the team honestly had a very similar game to the first game. They just flipped the halves. Um, they came out slow. They came out just a little bit sloppy. Um, almost like they were just expecting to run away with the game uh, because of ULM getting destroyed on uh, Tuesday by LSU. Uh, they got into halftime. It looked like they got refocused, and they came out and just played good, solid basketball. Um, and when they were just playing normal basketball, they took it to them because they were way more talented. Um, so yeah, uh, there were good things. There were bad things. Nobody especially stood out to me as special other than it's still just so fun to watch Walker Kessler play just because of his size. Uh, well, Jabari Smith had a couple more highlight plays, um, for this game, especially that coast to coast, um, finger roll. That was Uh, nice. That was pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, but other than that, um, it almost reminded me of a football game against Louisiana Monroe. Then unless you lose or unless it's super close at the end of the game, it's just not very memorable. Yeah, I, I do agree with that a little bit. Um, I thought Jabari had a really, really good game. Had Obviously, he had 23-10, and 10, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. Um, that was really good. KD Johnson had a great game off the bench. He had 22 minutes, uh, 18 points. Uh, and then Chris Moore. Chris Moore was an interesting I, – I was really glad to see him. I'd heard a lot about him um, just kind of in practice. And he was a guy that we haven't really – you know, last year we didn't really kind of see a ton of him being a big-time player. But, I mean, he scored 16 points off the bench. It was good to see. I think that he's kind of – kind of getting back into the groove of playing small forward. I mean, his senior year of high school, he played the five just because he was strong. And so I feel like it took him last year to kind of get back accustomed to playing uh, the three at kind of a, at a higher level. But I agree with what you said. And it was, you know, what you, you pretty much said the same thing is uh, Sonny Smith. I know he said it on the broadcast. He said, as a coach, he said, you can't get your players hyped up for a team that just lost 101 to 39. He said, you just can't do it. He's like, you can, you can tell them whatever you want and you can try and convince them that, Oh, they just had an off game, but they're really good. He's like, at the end of the day, the players are watching the same film you are and they can see the score and you're just not going to get hyped up for a team that got absolutely worked like that. And so I think that it was, you know, similar to what you said, just, they played really well in the second half, and, you know, the first half was kind of a, you know, just kind of a sleepwalk oh kind of state. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how we kind of how we go into this Friday game. You know, we kind of – we're never, never super consistent in these kind of games with, you know, playing a decent team on the road, especially early in the season and going into this tournament. I think it will really just kind of show what this team is made of. And I mean, they've got some tests. I mean, they've got some tests coming up this week. I mean, USF is a good football or a good basketball team, and then UConn is definitely the best team we've played uh, thus far, and one of the better teams in that tournament. So, I think it's going to be interesting, and I think that we'll really see just kind of what this Bruce Pearl team is wanting to do, and just kind of the identity that they have, and just how different it is from Auburn basketball that we've gotten accustomed to seeing in the past few years. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for some real tests to come up so that we have some actual talking points. Um, it almost feels like the season hasn't started with the teams they've been playing. 
and it's like it's almost been like watching exhibition games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that I mean, we'll we get into more of an extensive basketball talk probably next week. Um, if we have our, depending on what time we uh, release a podcast, if it's the usual Wednesday schedule, we'll be able to break down two basketball games, one of those being against UConn. We'll be able to talk about the South Carolina game, be able to preview the Alabama game. Uh, that'll be uh, a good time. We'll be able to get some of our questions answered about just kind of the identity of the basketball team and the new identity of the football team. Um for those that don't know, just a nice little, uh, just a quick little thing. The Johnny Harris era in Auburn women's basketball finally got their first win of the season, beating Alabama State by 29. So props to them. That will probably be the most we cover women's basketball on this podcast. But who knows? If everyone likes women's basketball, we'll start talking about it. <laughs> but hey, Coach Harris is building a dynasty. Exactly. You heard it here first. I will say I've seen more publicity come. about Auburn women's basketball this year than the entire time that Coach Flo was there. That's true. And so she is. Not, she is. Not, I would love it if we had a good women's basketball team. Yeah, I think it, I think it would be great. I think it'd be great for the team. But the issue is when you when you're getting the publicity for losing to Georgia Southern and Old Dominion, it's not great. But they have a ranked matchup uh, on Sunday against Georgia Tech. So. Who knows? Maybe they maybe they can pull the upset and kind of get some momentum rolling. You never know. But it's just kind of a bit of a train wreck that they have to kind of get back on the tracks that Johnny Harris has her work out, cut out for her. But regardless, we're excited for next week. We'll have a lot to break down. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to DM the page. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.